So, good to see you all again. Uh, let's just uh, start over. How you guys doing? All right, let's go. Okay, wonderful. Well, I am really excited about this time of prayer and fasting coming up for our church. It is going to be special. Uh, we schedule first, like Katie said, what matters most, and that's why we are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? And then all these other things, these other things that we seek out will be added to us when we put God first. He has this way of aligning everything in its rightful place if he's at the top. And so, but we have to start there. And so that's where we're starting together as a church. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. Um, when I was a kid, my grandmother had these magazines for kids that I loved. And I don't know if it was a subscription. Uh, I can't, I don't know, mom, because it was, it was, is your mom. I can't remember the highlights magazines. So do you guys remember highlights? Um, they're still around, I guess. I just found that out. But I loved the highlights kids magazines. They were so much fun as a kid. I mean, of course I didn't read them, but I, I did, I did seek them out and look for them because there was something I was looking for in the magazine that was the most important part of the whole thing. It wasn't the lessons that they could teach you or learning your alphabet or anything important like that. But I would look for the search and find puzzles. The search and find pictures were the best because it would be this like very intricate art piece with tiny little items hiding in it. And so you had to find the tiny items, right? Like there was like a hairbrush that was actually a leg of a chair. And it was they did a really good job of mixing them into the art. And so I would start with the big items, right? And find those, and I'll work my way to the tiny ones. And I loved looking for them. It was so much fun. There was so much joy that would come as I found the tiniest little last object of like an eraser or a pencil or something somewhere. And it was so much fun. And I would look for them in the doctor's offices. They had them. The dentist's offices had them. So I would be excited about going to the doctor or the dentist so I could find the search and find puzzle in the magazine as I waited in the waiting room. So I loved doing that. It was super fun. Now, I was really upset when the dum-dums came into the dentist's office, and they would circle the stuff in the magazine. I'm like, why did you, st you ruined it for everyone else. And so that was, it was upsetting. But either way, love these things. And I've always loved any of that kind of stuff. So I loved word searches. Anybody like word searches in here? Okay. What about Where's Waldo? The Where's Waldo books? I love the Where's Waldo books. In fact, so much so that a few weeks ago, my wife and I were on a date, and we went to this Starbucks, and they had a Where's Waldo book, and it had a, like, two maps. When you'd open it up, there was one over here, and there was one over here that faced out. So we competed against each other. So we opened the book like this. She would have her map. I would have mine. And we would have to find all the different things like the wizard and the, the Waldo and the girl Waldo, whatever her name was. And then the yellow Waldo guy, whatever his name was, and the dog. And so we would look and we would find and we would compete and she beat me and I was sad. So, but I loved it either way. And I think there's something in all of us, in, in humanity, that desires to discover like, we want to search. We want to find things. That's why there's been all these expeditions throughout all the years and, and discovering the North Pole or the South Pole. Or, or we, we love space because the cosmos is so huge. And we can search and find all of these different stars and galaxies. And we look further into space and further and further into the universe. And there's something fascinating about discovery. 
And I believe God put that in us for a purpose. Because if you think of how massive our universe is, you think of all the different things that we could find out there and that we could discover that's beautiful and glorious, just think about the fact that God holds the universe in the palm of his hand. So how much is there to discover and to find and search for in God? He is so huge. He is literally the source. He is the creative mind behind all the glorious, beautiful things that we see in our world. And he is the source of all of our heart's longings, life itself. Everything good starts and ends with him. And so there is so much to search for in the person of Almighty God. And God invites us in to that discovery and that search process. He put that in our hearts. He wants us to look and to search and to find him in all of his glory, in all of his goodness and fullness. Amen? So the title of my message today is Search and Find. Search and Find, our Search and Find puzzle. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father, that you are here, you are present. Lord, I just pray that anything that comes from me, that comes out of my mouth, that's from me, will fall to the ground and, and come to nothing, Lord, but that your words will remain, your truth will remain, God, and it will bear fruit in our lives 30, 60, 100-fold in so many ways. God, help us to seek and to find you this morning and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. So last week, uh, for those of you here that weren't here, uh, we talked about finishing well. And so we wanted to finish out our year well. And one of the ways we can do that is by taking time to be intentional and to look back at what God has done over the previous year. I mean, 12 months of our life has been lived out, 365 days, and we don't want all the lessons learned and all the amazing things that God has done to just be forgotten, right? I mean, God has done some amazing things in our lives. He's, he's worked in us. He's matured us. We've gone through triumphs. We've gone through hardships. So we want to learn from that and pull from that and grow from that place. But it takes a time of intentionality to look back at what God has done and where he has been present in our lives, may, where maybe we didn't realize he was in the moment. And so it's so important for us to do that. So we, we talked about four different questions that we had to reflect over for the year. And I encourage you guys to take the last week to, to look at those questions. And, and if you haven't got to do it yet, I encourage you to do it this week. But we talked about looking back at the experiences that we have had over the last year, the good, the bad, and how have we grown or, or how has God strengthened us or drawn us closer to himself through those experiences. And then the next question was about how do we Am I being intentional? Am I engaging my heart? Am I looking for God day to day? Or am I just going through the motions? Am I just moving on with the calendar? And we talked about rejecting complacency. And then the last two questions had to do with values. What does God value most for me? Asking God that question. God, what do you value most for me in my life? And then the last question was, how do we orient our lives day to day around those values? His values. 
And that's where the idea of scheduling first what matters most comes into play. Because our lives are meant to orient around Jesus as the access point. Everything else revolves around him. And that is one of our values as a church. The value of growth, that's one of our values, is orienting our lives around Jesus. And so today's message is about that as well. How do we orient our lives around Jesus? We're going to lay the foundation today. That's our, that's our goal is to lay the foundation, uh, not only for the series that's coming up for Awakening, but also laying the foundation for the year of 2024 as a church. So we're going to be kicking off next week our Awakening series, and it's going to be called After God's Heart. And it, we're going to focus on the life of David because we, we're going to focus on seeking God. And if you're, you're talking about seeking the Lord, what greater seeker of the Lord was there than David, right? So we're going to look at David's life, particularly the last few years of his life, and see how he invited that idea of seeking God into every core part of the human experience. His heart, his, his dream, his legacy, everything was centered around seeking the Lord. And so we're going to dive into that over the next few weeks. But first, I want to lay the foundation. What does it mean to seek, to search, and to find, to seek God? I mean, it's kind of one of those phrases that we throw around church culture. You know, I'm going to seek the Lord. Okay, well... How do I do that? What is that? What does that mean to seek God? Well, the most popular verse that I'm sure you all are familiar with is Jeremiah 29, verse 11 through 14. It says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So this is one of the greatest promises in Scripture. I mean, think about it this way. First of all, God right, is God. Like we talked about before, the source of all life, magnificence, glory beyond all measure, something that our mind can't even grasp, how good he is, how lovely, how beautiful. We sing about it this morning. How beautiful. Can you imagine? I mean, you think of all the beautiful things we see in our world in our, and in the cosmos and things like that, and then you think he's the author of those things, and, and he is much more beautiful than the most beautiful thing we've ever witnessed. And so there's so much to God, right? This beautiful person who created all things. And yet he says, and when you search for me, I'm going to give you a guarantee. When you search for me, you will find me. That's awesome. The most beautiful being that we could encounter or experience, he gives us the guarantee that when we seek him out, we will find him. Think about it this way. How many expeditions would people have taken if they had the guarantee that they would find what they were looking for? Right? A lot more people would do it. Right? There's no risk. Like, oh, okay, well, I know I'm going to find it. How many people would be treasure hunters if they had the guarantee that they would find the treasure? 
Everybody would. Everybody would do the, the, the curse of whatever island, you know, the Netflix series and stuff, all the treasure hunters and stuff. Everybody would do that because they know they'd have the guarantee of finding the treasure, right? God is literally giving us the guarantee. I mean, think about the words, the famous words of Bono. I still haven't found what I'm looking for, right? He still hasn't found it. Decades, and he hasn't found it. Right? I mean, everyone in our world, everyone in our culture, it's true. They're, we're all searching for something. Right? And whatever that thing is, whatever it is, shocker, we haven't found it. So we're all searching for something. Bono's searching for something. We're all searching for something. But Jesus says... The most beautiful thing that you could search for and find, he guarantees it. If you seek me, you will find me. That's exciting. So what does that word mean? What does seek mean? Well, in the Hebrew, the word means looking, searching, wanting or desiring, pursuing. It means to discover, to find, to possess, to demand, to require, to inquire. So God wants us to look for him. He wants us to search for him. He wants us to inquire about him. And ultimately, he wants us to desire him. This is incredibly important to God. In fact, he says it in the word. He says that he is actually seeking for those who are seeking him. God is searching the earth for people who are searching for him. Psalms 14.2 says, The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Jesus said that God is looking for people, true worshipers, who will worship him in spirit and in truth. God's searching for people who are searching for him. It kind of goes both ways. That's important to him. That's why he said, seek first the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus said that. It's important for us to seek and to search for the Lord. So we can clearly see that seeking is active, right? It, is, it takes action. It is not passive, it is active. There is initiative and action that has to be taken on our part. We have a responsibility to act in the process of seeking. We have to look. We have to search. We have to pursue. We have to want and desire and to inquire. We're responsible to take action. You see, there's two different ways in which we can engage our faith. There is an active engagement of our faith, and there is a passive engagement of our faith, and neither one is bad, okay? Neither one is wrong. So, for instance, uh, Advent, it's passive. It is saying, I am waiting for the Lord. I'm waiting expectingly. I am trusting in him. I am surrendering. I am yielding. It is a passive engagement of our faith. Trusting that God will move when he is good and ready to move. That he is responsible for the outcome of our life and the fruit in 
our life. It's a surrender of ownership and responsibility to the Lord. Saying, I'm surrendering this to you, God. I know that you are going to work. I'm going to take my hands off, and I'm going to trust that you're going to work in this area of my life. I'm not going to try to take ownership and take it from you, God. No, this is yours. I'm surrendering it to you, and I trust you with the outcome. God's in charge, and he alone is the source of good in my life. Right? That's Advent. That's the idea of trusting in God, releasing, relinquishing ownership. I must wait for him. But it still requires watching. It still requires our eyes to be fixed upon him, waiting with expectation that he is going to show up. He is going to do something. Right? And so that's Advent. That's how we closed out our year. But we're beginning the year in this season of awakening in an active engagement of our faith to where we are taking ownership and responsibility of God's call on our lives to seek him with all of our heart. We're taking ownership and responsibility to plant seeds and to water them. Paul said it, right? Some, pl- some plant, some water, but what? God gives the increase. That's the give and take of the engagement of our faith. Yes, we, we take ownership. We plant seeds of God's word in our life. We water those seeds through relationship, through worship, through being in God's presence and connecting with him in that way in prayer. But yet then we wait and trust that God is going to grow those seeds. You see, it's both. We need to be active. We need to engage. We need to pursue. We need to seek. We need to search and desire. But then also we have to trust And we have to sit back and say, okay, I've planted the seeds, I've watered them, and now I'm going to trust God you're going to grow this thing in my life. You're going to do the work beneath the surface. You're going to bring the fruit and the harvest of these truths in my life. But we still have a responsibility to engage our faith. Amen? Amen? So that's what this season is about. So we begin our year actively engaging our faith, and then we end our year saying, all right, God, we've been doing it, and now everything that we've done, we're putting it in your hands, Jesus. Or you're in charge of the outcome, not us. So we surrender. Because God is not, he's not a utility God. We, we, it's not like we talked about last week. God doesn't follow us and, and do what we ask him. All right, God, can you do this? Can you do that? Do this, do that. No, we're following him, right? We're following Jesus. He doesn't do what we ask of him, we do what he asks of us, and naturally, we have to come to him. We have to petition him. He's the king. He's the Lord. He's the master. So we go to him, and we petition him. We intercede. We seek him out, right, to find him. He already came to us. Amen? He came to us. He did his part. Jesus came, and he gave it all. And so now he's saying, all right, I came to you, I've provided the way, now seek me. And God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it's time to get active in our pursuit of God. Matthew 7, 7, 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to one who knocks, the door will be open. We're not just sitting on the sidelines. We're rejecting complacency, Right? We are choosing to be active in our faith. So what does that look like? What does it mean to actively seek God? Well, Jesus gives us a lot of different um, 
commands and direction into, in this process. But I want to look at Matthew chapter 6 at three different practices that Jesus expects us to engage with that is a way to actively seek him and do it with all of our heart. Matthew 6, verses 1 through 6 says this, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So it says, when you give, there's an expectation. When you give to the needy, right? Verse five, it says, and when you pray, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room. Close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you when you pray, when you give to the needy. And then verse 16 through 18, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So when you give to the needy, when you pray, when you fast, and then to close it all out with the key verse in verse 19 through 21, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus asks us and expects of us to engage our hearts and our faith in these three ways. In giving, to the needy, in praying, and in fasting. Right? But the key thing is here, it's like, well, why? What, what, what's the purpose of those things? He says, now listen. This, doing these things, is storing treasure in heaven. It's saying, my treasure lies with Jesus. It lies with him. It's seeking him with all of our hearts because where our treasure is, there our hearts will be. So, th so think of it this way, Jeremiah 29, right? He says, seek me and you'll find me, but it's not just seek him whenever we feel like it. He doesn't say, oh, just, just seek me and you'll find me. No, there's another caveat there. He says, seek me and you will find me when you what? Seek me with all of your heart. All of your heart. Not just, ah, today I feel like seeking God a little bit. Now I'll give him a tip of the heck here and look up here and maybe give him an attaboy there and thank the big man upstairs. You know, like, no. He's saying, no, I, no when, you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And so God says, if you're going to seek me with all of your heart, then your treasure has to be in my hands because that's where your heart's going to be. You see what I'm saying? When our treasure in God's hands, then we're able to seek him with all of our heart because our heart will be where our treasure is. 
So if you want to seek me with all of your heart, then your treasure needs to be in my hands because that's where your heart is. Seeking me requires, seeking God with all of our heart requires placing our treasure into God's hands. Our heart is the seat of our emotions, the core of who we are. When we seek God with all of our heart, it is a passionate pursuit. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. God's saying everything that you have to give, the most valuable parts of your life, all of those, surrender them to me. In each one of these three practices, giving, praying, and fasting requires us to take a treasure, something that we highly value, and place it in God's hands. So that's what he's inviting us to do. Each practice involves a sacrifice of something precious to us. So let's look at this. Let's look at this passion and pursuit, these three areas. How do we seek God with all of our heart? How do we passionately pursue the Lord? Number one, through giving, surrendering the treasure of our money to God. Now, no one likes to talk about money. As soon as you mention money, you're like, get all tense. Because money is such an integral part of our life. The whole world around us revolves around money. Everything, every corrupt thing that happens in the world typically happens because someone's trying to make a buck, right? Everything is about money. Jesus talked about money more than any other topic. Money's a huge thing. Our world functions around money. Most of our life is functioning around and centered around making money. I mean, think about it. Our work. Why do we go to work? Most people don't go to work because they just absolutely love what they do. Some people do. That's great. But most of us, we don't get that opportunity all the time. Sometimes we go to work because, well, we need a paycheck, right? Why do we need a paycheck? Well, because we need to eat. We need to live. So a huge part of our life is centered around money. And so God says, okay, the whole world functions around this. Everyone is obsessed with this. This is literally what controls most of your decision-making, your future planning, everything else. Then I want you to surrender that to me. If this is that much a part of your life, if everything is centered around this, then that belongs in my hands. Saying, I want you to surrender this to me. He says, give to those in need. Be generous. Find a person, just like Matthew 25, those who are hungry or thirsty or without clothing or in prison or whatever it is, the least of these. He said, find someone in need and give. Give to people. Be generous with the thing that is is most valued and treasured most in our world. Surrender that to me. Put your finances in my hands. Trust me with them. Because think about it this way. If that treasure, money, the thing that we spend most of our time thinking about or working towards or whatever, if we take that treasure and it's in God's hands, how much time will we be thinking about him? How much time will we be seeking him? If, if it's in his hands and we're saying, God, I'm going to let you lead me in this and how I budget and how I give and how I manage my finances, I'm going to put them in your hands and I'm going to seek you when it comes to financial decisions and everything else in my life. That's a lot of seeking. Amen? Because that's in God's hands. Again, I know no one likes to talk about this, but this is something that God is saying, hey, I want you to surrender this area of ownership of your life to me. 
Trust me with this. Find ways to be generous and to give as the Lord leads, of course. Do what the Lord leads you to do, but find ways to surrender that treasure into God's hands. Number two, prayer. Surrendering the treasure of our time, right? We all know money and time. Those are the two most valuable possessions that we have as human beings. So God says, I want you to surrender that to me. It takes time to seek the Lord. It takes time to pray, to seek God, to get into the word, to to worship, to center our lives on him, to orient our lives around him. It costs something to do that. It takes time to do that. And God invites us to sacrifice and to put our time in his hands. Again, how much time do we think about our time, right? What if that was in God's hands? How much time will we be seeking him? If we're saying, all right, Lord, how do you want me to spend my time? How do you want me to steward my time? Man, how much more would our eyes be fixed? How much more would we be seeking the Lord if our time was in God's hands? And we're seeking the Lord with all of our heart by surrendering that treasure to him. Saying, all right, God, I'm going to schedule first what matters most. I'm going to give you the best. Remember last week we talked about time and how the 77 years, right? You know, and if you watch three hours of TV a day, it's nine years of a 77-year life. (laughs) Six years on the phone, three years in the bathroom, one year getting your clothes on. Isn't that crazy? Take a year of our lives to get our clothes on. Man, you thought we learned that at a younger age, but you know. So picking out our clothes, I guess. Now, it has to be an average between men and women because, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm like, I, I've never spent 20 minutes a day. Um, so it's like maybe two seconds or something. So I just, uh, I don't know. This is a shirt. These are pants. Okay. Um, right? So we spend all this time doing these different things. But one thing that came up in that survey that was, was just sad but it's true, and I know it's been true for me, but the average Christian spends 10 minutes a day actively seeking God. That could be reading the Bible, it could be prayer, it could be worship, it could be whatever, 10 minutes a day. That's great. (laughs) Honestly, that would be wonderful. That'd That'd be great if we could all do that. But 10 minutes a day equals six months of a 77 year life. Isn't that doesn't that just seem odd, disproportionate? Thank you, Rusty. <laughs> Six months. So God invites us to surrender that treasure. And then number three, fasting. Surrendering the treasure of our strength. I don't know about you guys, but when I don't eat, I don't have as much energy. And I know you guys are thinking... I can never imagine you not having energy. But it's true. <laughs> when I don't eat, I have less energy. I, you know, if I, I, we need fuel, right? Fuel for our bodies. We talk about that. You guys, any of you guys ever seen Survivor, the show Survivor? Right? They go for, you know, one raises their hand. They're like, I don't want to know. Um, they, they only eat rice for like 40 days. And like they have, and you watch them in these challenges, and they're like stumbling over, and they're like trying to put a puzzle together with four pieces, and they're like, uh, I don't know, you know, 
because that's what food does. It gives us energy, gives us strength. And so fasting is surrendering our strength to the Lord. It's saying, all right, God, I'm going to put my trust in you, that you're going to be my source of strength. Jesus said it. His disciples said, you get something to eat? And he goes, yeah, I've eaten. They're like, yeah, I don't remember him getting any food. And he goes, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. There is something to sacrificing something that we need in our bodies. And in place of that, putting Jesus. And fasting is that. Like biblical fasting, there's only a couple of different types of fasting we see in Scripture. One is your traditional fast, which is a water only. You're abstaining from eating food for however a period of time of some sort. Uh, and then the other was like the Daniel fast, where he said, I'm just only going to eat vegetables and water. You know, I'm not going to eat any of the king's delicacies and stuff like that. But what my encouragement is to all of you is surrender something that you want. Something you want. Now, fasting could be, uh, you know, something that I've done in the past is um, not eating any food until sundown. So when the sun goes down, like breakfast and lunch, I take those times that I would normally spend eating to seek the Lord. And then, then I eat at the end of the day. Or you could fast one meal a day. Like um, maybe it's lunch. You eat breakfast and then your lunch break at work, you're opening up your Bible. You pray, you turn on some worship music, you seek the Lord, and then you eat dinner at night. And for some of you, uh, you might not be able to not eat because of a medical condition or something like that. Well, then I encourage you to fast something else. Fast media, like movies and TV. Do that. Or maybe it's social media. Maybe it's letting go of that. Maybe it's like coffee because you like need coffee. You know, maybe that's the thing that we surrender. But my encouragement is something. Give up something for the sake of seeking God. And let him be that thing. Let him be the thing that you hunger and you thirst for instead of whatever this thing is. And seek the Lord. Fast. Surrender that strength to the Lord during this time. And again, if our most valuable treasures are in God's hands. Our money, our time, our strength is all in the Lord's hands. We're going to spend a lot of time seeking him. We're going to seek God with all of our heart because our heart is where our treasure is. And we've given our treasure to the Lord, then our heart is found with him. Romans 12:1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. I'm, I'm surrendering my life entirely to you, God. I'm saying I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to put my most valued and treasured possessions into your hands. And my life belongs to you. So why would we do that? Why would we sacrifice all these things? Because we're desperate to experience the fullness of God and to honor him for what he has done and for who he is in our lives. We're desperate to honor God with the honor and the worship and the glory that he deserves. And we want to experience everything that he is, everything that he has for us, and say, God, all right, I see you. I know what you've done. I know what you've given for me. And so this is my reasonable response this is my rational response and act of worship to give everything I have in the service of you.
And what's amazing is the promise of God will find him. Wow. What a reward. We seek him with everything. We put everything that we are and everything that we have into his hands. And then we find him in the fullness of who he is. Remember, every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. The everything good, everything that our hearts long for is in him. So when we find him, whatever it is that we were seeking, whatever it is that we were treasuring, pales in comparison. So, this is what we're going to do. We are going to practice this collectively as a body, as a church. Together, we are going to seek God with all of our heart. Now, are we going to do it perfectly? Absolutely not. (laughs) But we are going to make this our aim because he's worth it. Amen? He is worth it. So, we're going to have a 21-day period of prayer and fasting starting next Sunday, January 14th. Three weeks and we're going to dedicate that time to seeking the Lord. And so we're going to have a prayer meeting. We talked about that on Monday. So a 6 a.m. and a 6 p.m. meeting, whatever, pick one. You don't have to come to both. Just pick one that works best for your schedule. And then 6 to 7. That's it. It's one hour to pray, to seek the Lord. And then on Wednesday nights, when we're already, a lot of us are already here because there's youth and there's stuff going on, we're going to take an hour of that time, 7 to 8 p.m., and we're just going to have live worship. We're just going to worship. We're just going to seek Jesus. We're just going to create space to seek God. And by the way, that time is unstructured. It's just come in here, worship. Walk around, read your Bible, pray, have a quiet time with Jesus, whatever you call it, solitude, you know, God time, whatever. Take that time on that Wednesday night and just seek God. Create space. And so it's literally two hours a week. One hour for prayer and then one hour for worship and prayer or whatever it is, however you want to seek the Lord on Wednesday nights. That's it. We're offering those two hours, and then, again, fast, something. Whatever God puts on your heart, ask the Lord. Take this week, pray, ask God, God, what are you asking of me? What can I give up for you to seek you, to create space to seek you, Lord? What can I do? And then just be obedient to whatever God puts on your heart. There's no pressure here, no pressure from me. Just whatever it is that the Lord's asking of you, I just ask you to fast something, anything, pick something and then give that up in our pursuit of Jesus. So we're going to do that. It's going to be awesome. You guys excited about this time? Yes? We're going to see God, and we, and we will find him. I'm excited to find Jesus with you guys, discover him afresh. Now, I've, we found Jesus. We've accepted him into our lives, yes, but he is so vast, so big, so glorious. You get to see another little dimension, another little aspect, a glimpse into the goodness and glory of our almighty God. So uh, it's going to be a wonderful time. Now I want to close with this. Um, You know, we laid the foundation for this series, for this time of awakening, which is how we want to kick off our year, but I also wanted to take a moment and lay the foundation for the year, for 2024 as a church. So I was praying to the Lord and asking God, all right, God, what What do you have for us this year? What are you inviting us into in this new year? You know, what's the word? What's the word for the year? And uh, and as I was seeking God, there's a couple of different scriptures 
that came to my heart and came to my mind. One is Revelation 3.20. I'm sure you guys are familiar with this one. It says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus talking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. How amazing. With the, the most perfect picture of intimacy, sitting across the table with Jesus and sharing a meal. He says, listen, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. If you'll hear my voice and you'll open it, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. So Revelation 3.20, and then the next verse that God put on my heart was Romans 15, five through seven says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So our word for the year this year is welcome. To welcome Jesus, where our aim is to welcome Jesus and others into our hearts and our homes. Welcome Jesus and people into our hearts and into our homes. So the question is, are we opening the door to Jesus into our hearts? Are we saying, all right, God, I'm opening that door. That's what's great about seeking him is that he knocks on the door of our hearts. A lot of seeking Jesus actively is opening the door to the different parts of our lives. Opening the door of our finances and inviting him in. Opening the door of our time and inviting God in. Opening the door of our strength and inviting God in. Welcoming Jesus into our hearts. The deepest places, even the rooms that have been locked up for years and you haven't opened those doors. Those rooms for the year, our goal. And it might take months and months for some of those places in our hearts and in our lives to invite Jesus into. But that's our aim to open the door of our hearts to him, to welcome him into every part of our life, to where he is welcome. We've invited him. And then welcoming Jesus into our homes. How can we orient our marriages around Jesus? How can we orient our parenting? How can we orient our community, our friendships, our work around Jesus, inviting God into everything that happens outside of church? In, into our homes? Are we opening those doors? Or are we closing them? And just being aware of that this year, is the door open or is it closed? Because we'll close them. We will at times this year. We'll open them at times this year. But that's why we have each other. To be accountable to one another, to challenge each other, to encourage one another. And then opening the door of our homes in our hearts to people. How can we open the door of our hearts and invite someone in to those places to be vulnerable, to be honest and sincere with brothers and sisters in Christ and not bear the burdens of our lives alone? How can we welcome people, this body, into our hearts? And then how can we welcome people into our homes? And the greatest sacrifice is hospitality many times. It costs something to open up your home, to prepare a meal for someone. Like that's, that's time, it's money, it's all of those things and inviting someone into your home. 
But that's the challenge. Are we opening our, the door of our homes to the people in this body? And then the last thing is opening the door, keeping the door open of our church and welcoming those who are lost and hurting into this place to find Jesus, to find wholeness, to find life, and to find love. Amen? So these are the two questions that I want us to just kind of revisit. We're going to try to revisit these things each week. Maybe it's every other week. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But we want to come back to it. And the first question is, how have you welcomed the presence of Jesus into your heart and home this week? How have you welcomed the presence of Jesus into your heart this week, into your home this week? Or how will you welcome him this week? And then the next question is, how have you welcomed someone, a person, into your heart and into your home this week? Or how will you welcome them in the week to come? So this is something that I want us to get into a rhythm of practicing with one another. And listen, like I said before, this is not meant to be condemning. It's not like, how have you done it? You you know, it's not that at all. Don't let the enemy lie to you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to take this, turn it on, turn it on its head and make it a condemnation message. That's not it. This is something we get to encourage each other to do and point one another to Jesus. So how are we welcoming him? This is that actively engaging, like we said, being intentional, looking, searching for God day to day, searching for ways to invite him and welcome him in. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to close with the time of worship. Um, and for, for this time and for this week, my encouragement to you is, is simply what I said earlier. Pray, ask the Lord, God, what are you inviting me into in this time of awakening? It doesn't just be about, have to be about what you're fasting. What, what is God inviting you into? What does he want to do in your life? Because he has a plan for you individually. What is he saying? Hey, I, I, want, I want you to experience this part of me. I want, I want you to surrender this to me. What is God asking in this time of active pursuit? So would you stand with me? We're going to take a moment. We're going to worship the Lord, close our time, align our hearts with him. I just encourage you to begin that process of asking the Lord, all right, God, what is these next 21 days? Um, Lord, what do you want to do during this time in my life? All right, let's, let's worship. I see your face in every sunrise. The colors of the Jesus.
just ask you, Father, to capture us again afresh. Help us, God. Give us the grace that we need to seek you with all of our heart. And I thank you for your promise, God, that we will find you. So, Lord, we're excited, Father, to find you again, to experience a new aspect and glimpse of your glory and your goodness in our lives and in our hearts. Lord, help us open the door to the deepest places of our hearts and invite you in and welcome you into those places. Lord, help us open the door to welcome you in to every single aspect of our life, God, to our homes, our marriages, our families, our work. Lord, and help us open the door to each other. May we experience a deeper connection with one another this year. A place where every person that we share life with is a safe place that we can become a refuge to one another through this life and draw closer to each other as we draw closer to you. Lord, we love you. We bless you. You are worthy and you are good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. appreciate you guys. I'm excited about this season. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to experience God together. So have a wonderful week. Enjoy. I know the Chiefs are going to be in playoffs next weekend. That's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, have a good time, guys. I'll see you then.